Hello, everyone, and, and happy Easter. We're honored and thrilled you're joining us online. You see, I have an object with me today. I got this, listen, I got this idea from another minister, so please don't think I've come up with this illustration on my own. But what is your first thought about my trash can? Come on, what, what's your first thought? My first thought is, is where is Oscar the Grouch from Sesame Street? I mean, right? How many of you have a trash can exactly like this at home? Now, this, this is a classic trash can, like, like the one I had as a kid. In my house, it holds my small scrap wood in my garage. Now, you may not have one exactly like this, but all of us have trash cans. Why? Well, because we all produce trash. From the moment we are born to the moment we die, we all produce trash. Now, you may not think so, but we all have a choice as what we do with our trash. Isn't that right? I mean, most of us try to hide our trash. We put it under the sink or in the corner or in a room or behind a door. Or even if our trash is visible, we usually try to find a nice container for our trash to be hidden. But what if, what if you came to my house and I had my trash in the middle of my living room and it was running over? What would you think? Most of you would probably not want to return to my home. I mean, you would probably think there is something psychologically wrong with James, which who knows, you may already think that anyway. But why would you, what would you think? We know trash belongs in certain locations and not in the living room. And whether we like it or not, everyone has to deal with their trash. We therefore must find ways to get rid of it. So once a week, most of us roll out our big green or big blue garbage container near the curb where the trash truck takes our garbage. It's placed in a bigger bin with wheels and it it's carted off to an unknown location, at least I don't know where it is, dumped and then covered, never to be seen again. And if we can grasp this concept, we are closer to understanding the concept of how our sins are removed. Now, like this example, all of us carry garbage, correct? I mean, now we're talking here. We call it sin. And sin is wrongdoing, and sin is separation from God. Sin produces guilt, and all of us have it. And whether we believe we have little or much, God hates all sin. He despises wrongdoing. And yet this God who hates sin loves all those who are made in his image. So therefore, he must find a way to deal with our sins, our trash, to have, have it covered, to be removed to be remembered no more. All right, so here's, here, here's the question for today. How does God take out our trash? Psalm 32, verse 1, it says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Okay, so let's, let's talk about that. Let's open your Bibles to Isaiah 53. And as you're turning there or opening your Bible app, let me, let me remind you that for centuries, for centuries, God took out the trash through animal sacrifice. Now, one of the Jewish festivals was Yom Kippur, 
It was also called, known as the Day of Atonement. It is the holiest day of the year in Judaism. Its central themes are atonement and repentance. And the Jews traditionally observe this holy day with a day-long fast and an intensive time of prayer after spending most of the day in synagogue services. In Jesus' day, though, a typical Jewish family would arrive at the tabernacle or the temple, bringing a prescribed animal as a sacrifice for their sins. The family would take a lamb or other prescribed animals without blemish and lay their hand on the head of the animal and confess their sins of that past year. The father, the priest, would then take the lamb and kill the lamb, and the blood would be collected in a bowl. This was a normal experience for children and for the family to participate in. The blood would be thrown on the altar to offer atonement, to pay ransom, to cover over their sins. The lamb would be cut up and its divided parts would go to various locations and there would be a lot of blood. Just think of all the sacrifices, a ton of blood. And historians tell us the blood would have been ankle deep in the temple as it flowed down into the Kidron Valley. That's a lot of blood. And as we look at Isaiah 53 this Easter morning, I want to remind you it's a messianic passage which speaks of a servant. But this servant points to Jesus Christ who took out our trash. God's servant was despised and rejected by man. And he took upon himself the sins of the world. In other words, Jesus took out our trash. Say, Listen to this verse. The next day, he, and he's talking about John the baptizer, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. All right, here's another verse by the Apostle John. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Brothers and sisters, Jesus came to take out our trash. And we know this, but at what cost? I mean, really, at what cost? You know, each month we pay our trash to be taken out. I mean, trash shows up in our monthly city bill, does it not? But what about our sins? What's the cost for removing the sins in our lives? We know that the cost is immeasurable. It's too great to even fathom. But, but, okay, but, but just for a moment, just humor me, just for a moment, let's try to calculate the cost for removing one's sins, our sins, you, your sins. And, and, and no, I, listen, we're only going to be able to touch a small piece of this puzzle this morning. If, if we were doing a full study of the removal of our trash, it would take weeks, maybe even months to fully grasp what we're going to talk about today. So what did it cost Jesus and his Father to take out our trash? Well, we know it cost Jesus his life. He shed his blood. There was suffering. He lost his equality with his Father and much more. There are two ways in which I want to look at this act of getting rid of our trash, the natural way and the spiritual, what we can see with our eyes and the mystery which was happened really beyond our purview. We have the cross which we can see, 
And I also want to delve into the spiritual, that which is beyond the grave, that which we cannot see. So I want us to dig in. Now, I hope, I hope, I hope our hearts can capture the cost of the extravagant sacrifice, the atoning sacrifice of Jesus. I hope we can capture that cost because this is an amazing gift. The removal of our trash is an amazing gift. Jesus, our Savior, died on a cruel cross. He suffered and shed his blood for us. We have received a gift we do not deserve. And there's no amount of money on the face of this earth that can purchase such a gift. And by the way, this is just, this is a rabbit trail, okay? I, I was astounded some years ago to find out that the English word for cross should be translated execution stake. Why is this important? What changed the way I perceive those verses, which I just usually pass over. Whoever does not take up their execution stake and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their execution stake, and follow me. Our Savior, our Lord, Jesus Christ, suffered on an execution stake. This is the natural. This is what we see, what we know with our eyes, what we have read in the pages of Scripture. He bore our sins in his body, shedding his blood on the tree. Okay, let's go back to Isaiah 53. We're going to begin with verse 4. And here's what I want you to try and do. On the second page of your outline this morning, which will be in the show notes, the second page is an account ledger. I, and I know this is silly, I, but I want us to be reminded of the cost of Jesus' sacrifice. Could we even calculate what it costs for our trash to be removed. So what would you enter into the columns? If you look at that accounting ledger, what would you use? And instead of using numbers, you use words. What are the debits and what are the credits? Let's look at verse 4. Look at the weight of these words. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Jesus bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. Jesus endured on the execution stake. Our griefs, our sorrows, he took upon himself our misery and carried our affliction. Again, this is an amazing gift. It's an extravagant gift of God's love toward us. So how much did this cost? See, write down the words which carry weight for you. Write down the words. Are you calculating the cost? Are you writing it down? How much did it cost for Jesus to bear his sins and carry all our sorrows? All of them. Not just mine, not just, you, not just yours, but the sorrows of the whole world. The anguish and pain. He bore the weight of the world. That's not all. Let's just carry on. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Jesus, our Savior, was afflicted by his Father? Wait, 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 what? You mean he experienced great sorrow because his Father punished him? Yes. Remember, God is a God of justice. Jesus took on our sins, your sins, my sins. Because God is a just God, he must deal with sin. 
There must be a sacrifice. Remember? One without blemish. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The cost of giving one's son on behalf of the world does not come easily. God loves us so much, he gave his son. Jesus was stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God his Father. Jesus took upon himself the sins of the world. Your sins, my sins. Now look at this next verse. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Jesus was pierced, a sword through his side, a piercing near his heart. He was afflicted for our sins. He was crushed for our iniquities, crushed, compressed, trodden, flattened. You know, when I think back today, the trash can and the garbage truck, do you remember when they compacted the trash? Any, anybody with me? Did you watch that? To watch the trash man pull the lever or just, just push the button? And then watch the trash get crushed. I mean, it was mesmerizing. In fact, how many of us wanted to be the garbage guy when we actually grew up? Now, think about that moment. Jesus was crushed for our sins. He bore the weight of all mankind and bore them in his body on the cross. See, this is the natural. This is what we can see. We can see the agony. We can see the pain. We can see the suffering. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. This is why we desire to live a life worthy of his calling, is it not? This is why we desire to place our faith in the Lamb of God. Why we give our lives over to the one who can bring peace to our lives. Harmonious, internal peace. He took upon himself our anxieties, our angst and our fears, our concerns, our worries. He bore them on a cross. All our wounds, all our injuries, he provided healing. A cure for the infected souls, the sins of our lives, the brokenness, the hurts, the troubles, which threaten the very fabric of our lives. He bore them. And then he calls out to us, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. How much should this sacrifice be worth to us? Jesus came to take out our trash, and it is a priceless gift, and this is available to all people who call in his name. And brothers and sisters, the resurrection, Easter morning, is the guarantee he has power to take out our trash. He rose from the dead. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds. You have been healed.
Brothers and sisters, how can we not witness this love of the Son and the Father and not be touched? Surely our hearts rejoice. Surely our hearts are moved. All we like sheep have gone astray and have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, if we, if we ended right here, we would all be touched. Or at least, I hope we are touched. But I can't end here. I, I want to show you one more act of extravagant love. Which I found in this passage. And, and it, just, it just blew me away. Now, the passage in Isaiah moves from the natural to the spiritual, as I said before. Even in our lives, we're moving from the natural to the spiritual. We live right now in a natural body, and we feel it. But one day, we will take on a spiritual body on the day of Christ's return. We will be changed from a natural body to a spiritual body. His children will. Jesus went from a natural body to a spiritual body. And the natural body is often in conflict, at least mine is, with the spiritual body in my life. Is it not? I mean, ours, mine are. We see this resurrected body in the garden. Jesus in the garden where he was laying. A resurrected body. He, we see him in a locked room. We see him on a beach. And many did not even recognize him. Is it Jesus? Is it him? Who, who actually is it? And the way they could tell was the scars. He took the scars with him. The nail-scarred hands, the piercing in his side. Jesus was recognized by his scars. And this passage in Isaiah moves us from the natural to the spiritual, from the tree to the grave. I mean, look, look at verse 9. And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his Mouth. Okay, so so look how look how where we've been. We've moved from the cross, the piercing, the sides. We've we've moved from there in the verse we already covered. Now we've moved to the grave. Now what came next in my study blew me away. Have, have any of you ever wondered what happened those three days in the grave? I mean, for three days the hope of our salvation was in the grave, in the heart of the earth. So where did the spirit? Of Christ go? Where was the soul? Where was his spirit? Now, I know Jesus bore our sins on the cross. I know he took upon himself the sins of the world. I, I get that, but I believe there's more. What if those three days could speak? What would they say? And these days have always confused me. There's a weird passage in 1 Peter chapter 3.19 which confuses me. And I know the spirit of Christ was with the thief in paradise, as we see. So I'm, I'm still confused. Can I, can I throw out a thought? And I'm, I'm okay if you see it differently. I just believe this makes this extravagant gift of Jesus even more precious than I ever previously understood. Do you remember the interaction Jesus had with the scribes and the Pharisees concerning his miracles? You know, at one important interaction, the scribes and the Pharisees asked for a sign. Do, do you remember what Jesus said? Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But Jesus answered them, 
An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it, except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The only sign Jesus was going to give to the Pharisees was his body in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. So here's my question. Why was the grave the sign given to an evil and an adulterous generation? Why, why was it not the resurrection? Why is it the grave and not his appearances after his return? I See, I don't get it. Why is the sign of an occupied tomb, the sign of Jonah being trapped, confined in darkness and agony within this grave fish, the sign Jesus wanted us all to see? Now remember, remember, we're moving from the natural to the spiritual, seeking to answer a question. How does Jesus take out our trash? So let's continue to listen to the voice of God through his prophet Isaiah. Now, I've tried to help, help us by placing God and his pronouns in red because this is often confusing if read quickly. It, well, at least it is for me. So, listen to this. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring, and he shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. Okay, remember, we're at the tomb where Jesus has been laid. He is in the grave, in the heart of the earth. But now, we're talking about his soul. Did you get that? Did you, did you see the reference to his soul on the screen? It, it, it only, right here is when it starts to show up three times now. You know, to come up three times. We see the body of Jesus on the execution stake in the first section of this passage, but now we move to the grave to the unknown. And Jesus is no longer in his body, but he is in the spirit. And his soul is making offering for our guilt. His soul is being crushed and put to grief. And look at, look at, look at who is doing the crushing. Let's, let's read it again. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush the servant Jesus, to crush him. He, the Lord, has put Jesus to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. He shall see his offspring, Jesus. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. It was the Lord's will to crush his soul, to crush his spirit. As the God of love and as the God of justice, the sins of the world must be satisfied with the sacrifice, one without blemish. And Jesus bore our grief in his body and in his soul. Jesus was in the heart of the earth for three days. And like Jonah, he was trapped in darkness and in agony. Upon him was laid the iniquity of us all. God crushed his soul, his spirit. And in those moments beyond the grave, which, which, believe me, they remain a mystery, Jesus conquered death. Yes, he was victorious over Satan. 
The grave could not hold him. We have a Savior who was victorious over the darkness. Jesus was crucified and was buried to give this world hope. And brothers and sisters, Jesus has the power, the power to give us life because he was victorious in both body and soul. He made an offering for both body and soul. He took upon himself the sins of mankind and experienced the agony of physical pain and the anguish of our spiritual hurts. Anybody have some of those? And he did this for you and for me. One day our bodies will be spiritual. At the resurrection of the dead, we will be given new bodies. Our souls set free from sin. Why? Because Jesus took out our trash. He bore our iniquities. He offered himself for you and for me. Therefore, for those who believe in him, who put their faith in Jesus Christ, we are considered righteous before God's eyes. Right? We're considered righteous. Now, God now sees us as redeemed, as saved, as, as his children. We've been graced. We are called saints. This is why baptism is such an important path toward God, an important aspect of our faith in Jesus. We are washed in the blood of the Lamb. Both body and soul are buried with Christ. It is not only what we do that is cleansed, but also our thoughts and our motives, our spirits and our souls are transformed. We are new people, new creations. We can therefore walk in faith, seeking righteousness as we spoke about last week. When we are placed under the water, our body and our soul come into contact with the blood of Jesus Christ in a burial like his. We are therefore buried with him to be raised in a new life. Jesus making atonement for our sins. He became the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. His sacrifice, his death didn't just cover up our sins. He took them all away. He took all our sins away. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus removed our trash. He removed our trash. Listen, listen. And he is removing our trash both body in body and in soul this is a continual process of regeneration not just a one-time event just not not just a one-time event like Yom Kippur it is a continual process of cleansing of washing it is a continual process of taking out our trash and if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin how much, brothers and sisters, is this extravagant gift worth to you? How much is it worth? Can we not fill up our account ledger with credit after credit of Christ's amazing love and God's amazing love for us? And remember this, his credits always outweigh our debits as we seek him daily. He poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many. And makes intercession for the transgressors.
Jesus was numbered with the transgressors. He was numbered with the sinners. And now he makes intercession for us. Jesus conquered death. He committed no sin. And God raised him from the dead. Our Savior is victorious. Our hope of eternity, it lies in the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. And for those who believe in him, who put their faith in him, this is how our trash is removed. By the sacrifice of one man, Jesus Christ our Savior, our Lord, who loved us so much that he gave his life for us. What a gift. May God bless you this Easter morning. And may his extravagant gift motivate you toward loving him and loving your neighbor. I love you all. Happy Easter.